One man, one mission to rid the world of low standard and mediocre acting once and for all. Brian Timoney, the world's leading authority on method acting, brings you powerful, impactful, volcanic acting and business of acting techniques in his special acting podcasts. It's Brian Timoney's World of Acting, Unplugged and Unleashed. Hi, it's Brian Timoney here and uh, welcome on to today's podcast. Now, so today I'm going to be talking about um, performance psychology um, and this is an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, it's one thing to be a good actor and it's one thing to know how to act well, um, but it's quite another as well to kind of um, to be able to f- perform at your best when it really matters. Um, let me tell you a story. Um a number of um, years ago, I was watching the snooker player Ronnie O'Sullivan. And in case you don't know, um, you probably do. If you've been following my work for any length of period of time, you'll know that I'm a, I'm, I'm a snooker fan. In fact, at one point, you know, in my uh, teenage years, I had a misspent childhood, really, of, of playing tons and tons of snooker. And I used to hang out with some some of the top, well, they became top snooker players. And back in the day, you know, we were about 12, 13. We could hardly see over a snooker table. Um, you know, so it, it was um, early days, shall we say. But some of those players went on to become very high profile um, players that I used to hang about with back then. And it's quite interesting because you get to see how they think. Um, but anyway, this is about Ronnie this particular occasion. I was watching him play in the World Championship and he'd had a rough time. You know, he had been through some a rough patch in his personal life and it was affecting his his game basically, and he was finding it, he had always found it quite difficult to kind of control his temper and his temperament on the table. You know, if he thought he was going to lose, he sort of um, had a tendency to throw it through the towel in before he needed to. Let me put it that way, mentally. However, on this particular occasion, he seemed to have control, been able to control those demons. He um, seemed to be able to kind of get over any sort of obstacles in his way, not let him, let you know, a, a short-term disappointment within the game ruin everything. And he went on to win the World Championship and then many other tournaments after that. And he became much more consistent in his, in his play. And I thought, that's really interesting. How does that happen? How did he manage to do that? And um, Ronnie mentioned um, a Dr. Steve Peters that he'd been working with. And Dr. Steve Peters was uh, and is um, a psychologist and he is somebody who specialises in teaching athletes and many other types of people how to deal with performance. And he shows them how to keep themselves, well, I was going to say under control, but it's not really under control. He he shows them how to deal with their their inner thought thinking process in order to perform at their highest that they, they possibly can on that day. And he'd been working a lot with Ronnie, um, and it totally turned his, his game around. Uh, Dr. Steve Pieces then went on to teach the, the cycling team, the British cycling team, who went on to do amazing things um, after that point. You know, they won tons and tons of medals. Um, which was um, unheard of, the amount of medals they actually won after working with him. And again, it was all about, you know, how to think. You know, it's funny because when you think of athletes at that level, there's not much in it, is there? 
I mean, from the point of view of, you know, what is the difference between the winner and loser of those, you know, sort of cycling events or swimming events? Or, you know, it's literally seconds or, or less than a second, split seconds. So what makes a difference? You know, what's, what gives somebody that extra edge, if you like? If they're already brilliant at what they do, um, it comes down to how they're thinking and about how they're dealing with the, th- the thinking process as that event is happening. So here's the thing is that as I was listening to that, I thought that's the same for actors. Actors have the same issue, right? Same, kind of similar to an athlete because you kind of basically you've got to practice, you've got to train, um, you've got to hone all your skills. And then at a certain point, you know, you get the job, you the curtain rises or, you know, a director calls action on set and you have to deliver. And you have to deliver at that point. So you have to understand how to think in order to perform well. And here's the thing. Here's part of the issue that that gets in the way, um, I believe, for actors, is that there's these sort of inner turmoils or inner conversations that begin to happen that are not really to do with the acting process at all, but they're more to do with fear. They're more to do with um, personal concerns, that the actor might have, usually revolving around the ego. So, for example, on a first night, or practically any night, I guess, in the theatre when an actor's getting ready to go on, there's that part of them that'll be thinking, I hope I get this right, I hope I don't screw this up. Or what if I did screw it up? What what would happen? And they start to visualise that. They start to think about all the things that could go wrong. Um, Which obviously is not very helpful, but how do you control that? You know, how do you bring it under control? Well, there's certain ways of working, there's certain ways of thinking that, that will allow you to do that. And again, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, some of this is to do with, um, you know, not resisting. So, for example, when an actor goes into that kind of thinking and they go, oh, I better get this right, I better not screw it up, that is only going to create tension in them. Um and inner conflict, because each time that they go to perform or each time they go to do something, there'll be a part of themselves that goes, you know what, I'm not really sure whether I'm doing the right thing. Is this the right thing to do or should I wait and do something else later? Um, should I wait for another impulse to arise? Should I, um, you know, not do this? Because if I do it, I don't know what the outcome's going to be like. So again, obviously, none of that is very helpful. We want to be free. We want to be fluid. And so... Um, Part of it is being able to to accept those thoughts and be able to let them go and say, right, I'm going to focus on things that I can actually control. Because here's the thing is you cannot control how an audience thinks about you. In fact, the way that each individual in that audience sees your performance is unique. It's different for everyone. Um you know, there's this delusion in a way that when you perform, when you are in theatre or you're on TV um, or film, that you are somehow controlling what the audience perceive. And you're not. I mean, obviously they're seeing the story, but how they perceive all of those events, how they perceive you, the, the, the individual scenes, is very particular to them because they bring their experience, their life experience, what's happened to them, their beliefs, their values, into that process. So the idea that you're going to somehow control all of their minds and see you in a certain light 
is just kind of insane. It's never going to happen. So that is outworth of your control. And concentrating on things that are outworth of your control um, is no good. But what you can do is, is focus on things that are within your control. So what is within your control when you come to, to do the work? Well, the preparation is key. Let's face it. I mean, the more that you prepare your instrument, the more that you prepare yourself um, for the work, the better. And I don't just mean preparing for the role. I mean, the work that goes into improving your skills and enhancing your skills and acting ability should be an ongoing and constant process. You know, this is one of the things actually that is a bit of a bugbear for me is that especially in the UK, for some reason, we kind of think that people should go to actors, go to acting school, they come out and they never go back to acting class. They never go back and uh, retrain, um, not not necessarily even retrain, just practice. You know, when you think about it, nearly every athlete who's at the top of their game is continuing to practice. They don't suddenly just go, oh, I'm, you know, now I'm world champion, I'm going to stop practicing i mean in fact if anything they start practicing more and they they look at their their game even more seriously and look at how can i improve it so the same should be true of the actor it should be like well what can i do to improve my actor instrument and by actor instrument i mean you personally which is ever evolving you know, and it evolves over the years and years. It's like it's always changing and you should be always trying to constantly improve that um, because that is part of the preparation. That is something that's under your control. You know, for example, if you can you experience every range of emotion? If not, that's something to practice that's under your control. Um, is your voice not as strong as it could be or maybe you haven't used it for a while? And what I mean by haven't used it for a while is that maybe you haven't um, been to an acting class recently or you haven't done some work recently and you've just let it rust. And so you kind of got to think about, well, I've got to not only maintain it, I want to try and improve it. So that by the time that you're you know, walking out on stage, walking on set, you're, you're not thinking about having to improve things that um, should already be there. Now that's under under your control. Now when you're doing that as well, is that you are building confidence in your own ability, building confidence in what you can do, so that that also plays a, a part in the performance. Because instead of worrying about, can I do this? There'll be a part of you going, yeah, of course I can do this because I've done it, you know, you know, every day for the last 10 years. So the, there's a difference in the, the way that you would handle the performance situation because you're confident that you have done the work in advance. So that, that's part of the issue. Um, there's also preparation for the role. Um, if you haven't fully prepared, obviously it's going to be an uphill struggle. If you've only done um, notional amount of preparation, then that's going to be a problem. Um, so he, the, the, the key to a lot of this as well is that the, the practice and the preparation that goes in before, beforehand gives a lot of confidence in the moment. Um, obviously in the moment as well that you're kind of, you know, you've, you've basically got to be able to um, let things go in the moment because things will happen that were not according to plan. You know, when Anthony Joshua goes out to fight his next, you know, world title, there's going to be things that happen in that fight that he was not expecting. Um, but he doesn't, 
he doesn't fall apart at that. He doesn't sort of take off his gloves and go, oh, well, that's it then. Well, I should just go and go back to the dressing room, take a seat. He thinks, okay, well, that's this is what's happened. How can I respond to that? And I think that is also important for the actor because, you know, things are going to happen in performance you weren't expecting. Actually, hopefully things happen within the performance you're not expecting. Because those surprises from another actor or situation or event that, that happens within the work is actually a gift. You know, it's a spontaneous thing that's happened. And it's your ability to kind of go, that's cool, I'm good with that, and let's roll with it. I always remember this one uh, particular performance that I was doing that I was on stage. And each night I had to kind of look outside this pretend window and I had a, a curtain across the top of it. And I kind of just had to kind of pull the curtain to one side and look out the window and say something. And one night I went on and the whole curtain rail came down on in my hands. So the whole curtain came off the rail. And, and I thought, you know, I had two choices in that moment. I either had to kind of embarrassingly try and put it back up or, you know, and, uh, you know, make a, an issue of it. Or I had to, you know, basically go with it. And so I kind of took the curtain and kind of, waved it around a bit and sort of laughed and threw it onto the, 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 the set bed and, and tried to incorporate it into the character and the situation and the, the, the given circumstances that I was in. Because if you I was resistant to it, the audience see it, they feel it, it becomes awkward. But as soon as you just go, actually, that's cool that that happened, I can roll with this, then you allow things to move on. It's that you know non-resistance that will allow you to use it in that, that situation. So, the, the, you know, I've just scratched the surface when it comes to performance psychology. Um, but that that's something actually that I'm incorporating more into the work that I do with my students because um, I've seen that, that, that at a certain point, um, once you've learned the skills of being an actor, um, it's important that you understand how to deal with performance anxieties and fears and overcome them. And so, you know, um, that's, that's an important aspect of the work. So there we go. That's um, all for today. Something to think about. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you on the next one. You've been listening to Brian Timoney's World of Acting. For a full transcript of today's show, go to www.worldofacting.com. We'll see you next time.